The Zone is presented by Guaranteed Foods, delivering all natural food to Midwestern families since 1958. Enjoy healthier food, more free time, free delivery, and better value. Go to GuaranteedFoods.com. He'll help you fantasy focus while he scoops the news. He's on TV more often than he's in bed. He'll break down the NFL without a single hair ever out of place. It's Field Yates of ESPN. Now in the zone with Jason Anderson on Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, we continue right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Jason Anderson with you hanging out at Rally House, Quivira, and uh, in Lenexa right by uh, Oak Park. And it is uh, our location today until 2 o'clock, but the 16 Casey Metro Rally House locations with all of the Super Bowl gear getting you ready for the parade coming up on Wednesday, Valentine's Day uh, parade number three for the Kansas City Chiefs, parade number four in the last decade for Kansas City. Uh, so uh, they are getting you set for all of that and the official Chiefs Super Bowl 58 winning merchandise at Rally House, and they continue to get shipments throughout the day in all of the 16 KC Metro locations. Let's talk with our NFL insider from ESPN. It is Field Yates joining us here in the zone. Field, what's up, man? How are you, sir? Jason, I'm doing well. Back from Vegas after a busy and certainly dramatic and exciting six days. Uh, good to be home, but uh, always great to be on site for the Super Bowl. And uh, it was a hectic, crazy week in Las Vegas. But overall, I wouldn't be surprised if that city calls the Super Bowl home uh, again once uh, sometime soon as, as a host city, I should say, at the very least. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I've, I've heard that. Um, I agree from what I've heard from other people not being there to experience it. But there's uh, there's that sentiment that's been out there. Uh, one of the guys that we have uh, covering the Chiefs that was there said the same thing, that uh, he would expect Las Vegas to be on a uh, regular rotation now because of uh, how that thing went there um, this week in the game. Uh, how the game went certainly um, was touch and go at times for the Chiefs and winning that thing. But, Field, what do you take away from – the game and uh, Super Bowl number three for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and this group of players. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to choose just one thing. We can start with Patrick yeah. and the brilliance, the calm. That was just, uh, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that is the stuff of legends. It's why he's on the very short list for the greatest to ever do it. Uh, it's why even, you know, probably, what, 40% of the way through his career, whatever specific percentage, I guess you can't determine that right now, but it's already safe to say that he belongs uh, in that conversation for one of the greatest individual athletes of all time. That certainly stood out. When I think about it a touch deeper, though, I do sort of think about how, you know, it's so easy for us, understandable, to want to stack teams in terms of how much talent they have. And I don't know if the Chiefs have the same number of, you know, blue-chip players at the very top of their position that have been there and done that for a while, like the 49ers do, right? It feels like with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and guys like that, you might say to yourself that they are a little top-heavier than Kansas City, but I felt like last night was an exercise in the depth of that roster that has been masterfully built by that Chiefs front office, and I really felt like in clutch moments, in moments where coaching could really be revealed, the Chiefs show themselves to be light years ahead of San Francisco. A couple of plays here or there is all it takes to determine a game that has settled in overtime. And after the first quarter, after that 10 nothing lead, I should say, at the very least, it kind of felt like every sort of, I'll call it a 50-50 play uh, for the Chiefs, or 50-50 opportunity, ended up being one in which you favored Kansas City in the situation. So a huge credit 
to the entire Chiefs coaching staff for getting the guys ready and having them ready for situations that frankly aren't that common, obviously just a second overtime game in the 58 editions of the Super Bowl. What do you make of the uh, the overtime rules and the conversation that's sort of come out of that uh, with that being the most recent part of the conversation with this win? I mean, obviously we're having a, a lot of uh, different discussions around here from, you know, bigger picture and individual plays and, you know, dynasty and three and five years and all of that stuff. But, you know, the overtime rules was, uh, was part of the story last night and uh, uh, the Chiefs and Chris Jones talking about them going over the rules in training camp and, decide, and, and saying in training camp what they would do. Uh, and that is they would kick, and then if the team scored a touchdown on their opening drive, the Chiefs would get the ball back, score a touchdown, and they would go for two. Uh, yeah. That's uh, that's the strategy they would have, and they talked about it in training camp, and they talked about it this week as well. And then uh, the 49ers uh, players saying that, uh, well, they, uh, Eric Armstead found out before um, overtime started that the new rules, and uh, Kyle Juszczyk thought that they took the ball because it was the regular rules you would see, a touchdown wins the game. Um, do you make much of, of this? Is it that big of a deal if the players know the rules or not? Not uh, and um, did Kyle Shanahan um, go strategically the right way in uh, taking the ball first? All right. So first of all, my, my my coaching point to the players would have been don't admit that, right? You just don't do it. It's a bad look <laughs> for the players, a bad look for the coaches. But like, it's not like this was news that crept upon us, right? I mean, this was a much ballyhooed switch to have NFL overtime rules uh, adjusted for the postseason. So um, I would not have said anything like, oh, yeah, I had no idea what these rules were all about. Let's start there. Um, in terms of, like, the decision itself, um, my, my feeling is this. It's a completely justifiable decision to take the football first in overtime, given the fact that if, you know, the teams match wits, you're talking about having a strategic advantage if you have that third possession, like that's insanely valuable, right? Um, my only thought would be that I wish, you know, if I were a 49ers fan, I wish Kyle Shanahan had been a touch more aggressive on that opening drive in overtime because you have to prepare for the very real possibility of Patrick Mahomes leading the Chiefs to a touchdown drive. So I would have been more aggressive when they got into the Chiefs' half of the field after a fairly meticulous start to the drive. Um, I, I understand that a lot of people are, are crying or you know, saying today, like, you know, crying to, you know, Kyle Shanahan is a moron for taking the football first because of the fact that it gives the Chiefs the advantage, kind of knowing what they need. But in my mind, I'm kind of expecting the Chiefs to, you know, do whatever they want to do uh, in, in overtime, whether they have the ball first or second. So I might actually be thinking towards that third drive. I think this is one that can probably be debated reasonably on both sides. I just think that if I'm taking the football, I am preparing first, I should say, that I am preparing to be as aggressive as I need to. And four down territory kind of creeps in pretty much like the moment I get the football from the, the beginning of overtime. Yeah, the, uh, the the advantage I would see, and, and you know, if Mahomes is out there, I think it might change the calculus a little bit, uh, to where you know, if yeah. I if I score a touchdown or if I kick a field goal, um, uh, we talked about this, and I'm glad that we aren't discussing what would have happened. But if the Chiefs got the ball first and we're facing fourth and one at their own 34 yard line, does Andy Reid go for it at that point, or does he punt it away and yeah. say, yeah, we can't just give give the win away if we don't get it right here? But they had no choice. They had to go for right, it because yeah. you you, uh, you win the, you lose the game if you don't. And so they go for it. Their hand was forced in being aggressive, and they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive. I have no idea. And it's part of sort of you know the college rules, right? The college overtime rules. You always, if you win the coin toss, you defer. 
and the other team gets the ball first, and you choose which side you want to play on because you want to yeah. know what the answer would be. And I get Kyle Shanahan saying, well, the third possession is sudden death if they both tie. Um, right. there, there's a lot that would have to happen, though, the first couple of possessions for you to get that sudden death overtime. You would have to both teams score a touchdown and that team not go for two. You'd have to have both teams kick a field goal or both teams not score for yeah. you to get that third possession. And just knowing you have four downs, and what came up to me, Field, uh, in that overtime drive, it's not just the fourth and one. It was, I don't know, a couple plays later when it was first down and ten, and Mahomes hits MVS for what would have been a six- or seven-yard gain, and then he breaks the tackle and runs backwards, and it ends up being second and 13. If you've got the ball for second and 13, might be different play calls than if you know that you've got to go for it on fourth down. Because now you've got three plays to pick up 13 yards. I just think some of those strategies come into play of knowing what you have to have and then changing your strategy there of, well, we got three downs to pick up 13 yards. Because, boom, a quick little dump off to MVS the next play to pick up six yards. Okay, well, if that was second and 13 and you don't have a field goal on the board, are you changing it and trying to throw to the sticks on second and third down? I don't know. Yeah, I think the real here's the reality is what I would say, Jason, is that like you have to be process oriented in terms of planting your flag on one side of the coin or the other rather than results oriented, right? It's easy to say right now Kyle yeah. Shanahan should have deferred and let the Chiefs have right. the football first Duh. because we now we know what the outcome was, right? My feeling was, and I was actually surprised. I did think Tony Bromo did a nice job on the broadcast. Obviously, he's been you know oft criticized this year. Um, I thought he was. I thought he did a good job uh, in, in a lot of cases explaining like the aggressive mentality. He was calling for Kyle Shanahan to go on the fourth and down like frequently throughout the game. The only part that I thought was missed in the conversation when they were discussing the debate or they were debating the merits of taking the ball first versus uh, you know kicking off and deferring was just the idea like that third possession, which I do think is critical. I guess it kind of depends on what like what lens you want to view it from. If you're going in there with that mindset that we're going to score on that opening drive and you have to think that worst-case scenario is the Chiefs, Chiefs matching you with a touchdown, well, I understand mm-hmm. the Chiefs could go for two and win the game. And while Chris Jones is saying that, I would just say, like, generally speaking, Andy's, you know, I would say his more conservative nature would lead me to believe they're probably not going to go for two there. Uh, I, I, we, we don't have precedent, right? This is the first time that we've had this overtime situation <laughs> in the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, I might be saying to myself, screw like, I want that third possession, whether the game is then tied at, uh, it would be, what, 26 26 uh, at that point, right? 22, like, 22, I want that third that, yeah, possession. 22 I think. Or if it had been two touchdowns, I'm saying. If, if we had, if yeah, both okay, teams had I'm scored sorry, a touchdown yep. in the overtime, right. So I see what you're saying. Whatever yep, the you're right, you're scoring right. was, right, like, you'd be saying to yourself, I want that third possession. So I, I, I do yeah. think, like, I was okay with it. I didn't think it was, like, this massive egregious error. Um, ultimately, like, the stuff that I think the four nutters need to lament are execution errors. And I thought the Chiefs, you know, and I get it's easy. Like, the Chiefs looked so much more fearless in that game down the stretch. You know, I've seen a lot of people talking about how Brock Purdy played today. I'm not here sitting around saying that, that the 49ers got a terrible performance from their quarterback. But if they didn't get, like, a chunk yardage play on first down, I'm expe- I was expecting it yesterday. Like, all right, it's, it's like, good luck. Like, they're not going to advance the football down the field. It felt like every time the Chiefs were playing ahead of the six defensively, you know, whether it was – Second and nine situations that lead to third and long situations. It's like, I didn't think the 49ers had any answer whatsoever. They're an incredible run after catch team, but it, I don't know whether it was, uh, the, whether Brock was, was playing hesitantly, whether they felt like they couldn't handle the pressure the Chiefs were bringing or what it was, but 
a lack of vertical plays or explosive plays down the field, which, of course, was an issue for the Chiefs all season, felt like it was the big issue for San Francisco last night. As a matter of fact, Jason, the, I think uh, you said that McCaffrey's catch and run in the, uh, I think it was an overtime, uh, was like a 24 That was our longest play of the entire game. Yeah. Yep, uh, and, and the Chiefs did a great job of limiting that. And one of the stats uh, from last night is that when Brock Purdy was uh, targeting uh, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, he was 8 of 20 for 86 yards and a 53 quarterback rating. And wow. and Steve Spagnolo has just been so good. And one of the best things of the last couple of weeks, Field, is that how many people have talked about Steve Spagnolo and the flowers that he's getting of being the defensive coordinator, and now he's got four Super Bowl championships as a defensive coordinator, or is it five? I don't even know. Um, as a, uh, he's as got a four now, and that makes him the only now. coordinator ever. The, no other. Now, there have been people who have won multiple championships as coordinators and then won them as head coaches as well, mm-hmm. right? But in terms of people winning rings in a coordinator capacity, Steve Spagnolo now has the most four as a defensive coordinator that's on both defense and offense well and, and i do wonder yeah and i do wonder if we start to talk about like greatest coordinator of all time and if that's the case does hall of fame come up for steve spagnolo when he's done if there can ever be a hall of fame induction for a coordinator because according yeah. to dvoa the three best teams to never win a championship the one two and three teams to never win a championship three best teams 07 Patriots, 2019 49ers, and this year's 49ers. All three lost to Steve Spagnuolo coordinated defenses. He's certainly on the short list for greatest coordinators of all time. I think the the tough part for people uh, who maybe aren't Chiefs fans or Giants fans is going to be separating what the coach did as a head coach as opposed to what he did as a coordinator, right? So, you know, Belichick would also be on that list for his work with the Giants as a coordinator, and that's also amplified by the fact that he's got more head coaching wins than anybody else in Super Bowl history. Meanwhile, for Spags, you've got the you know the two op- opposing forces, right? I mean, unbelievable as a coordinator with you know obviously you know minimal success as a head coach during his time with the Rams. But I you know I, I don't those are the kind of things Jason and I probably should, should spend uh, more energy caring about, but I don't. Like I'm just impressed with hell by how he coordinates yeah. a big game and how he's able to confuse and dial up pressure and. Um, you know, there's so much about, about about play calling on defense that is just sort of timing and knowing exactly when to kind of use whatever pellets you have available. And it felt like Spags was willing to play the patient game. I mean, it's tough when you go down 10 nothing. You're probably saying to yourself, we've got to find a way to kickstart the energy of this game because our offense hasn't been able to settle or handle their defense up to this point. I mean, Kelsey with one catch for one yard in the first half, what are the odds that takes place? Um, yeah. And yet Spad kind of just held his ground, held his ground, held his ground, played the long game, the patient game. And in the end, they found those critical moments on defense to make Brock Purdy uncomfortable. And a couple of third down conversions that go the other way could have been the difference. And the Chiefs defense ended up being the difference in this game. Field Yates is our guest from ESPN, our NFL insider. Uh, the conversation about uh, greatest of all time, best we've ever seen. Um, I think we can differentiate between those two, right? Greatest of all time, maybe most accomplished, Tom Brady. But I, I, the, the, I said when we started the show, like the best player I've ever seen play NFL football is Patrick Mahomes. And and if somebody wants to argue Tom Brady over Patrick Mahomes for the GOAT, that's fine. But I don't care about 7-3 to three in rings. I'm looking at and saying he's the best player I've ever seen. Yeah, it's funny. I think about the GOAT debate uh, more than I should right now because I think it's like one of the great 
between Patrick and Tom. And I think it's like one of the great wastes of energy. Like, here's the deal. <laughs> if, if Patrick gets to seven, then the GOAT conversation takes on new life. Or if he gets to six and breaks every statistical record uh-huh. of all time. But he's also only played six seasons as a starter in his career. Like, who cares about this right now? Like, we could be talking about this in 10 years and he could have 10, right? Like, uh, is that real? Like, why, why are we caring about this conversation right now? He's on like hole seven of the proverbial 18 hole golf course of his career, right? So, um, the, the, the most, I think the most important part is that at the age of 28, he's already injected life into the conversation about being the greatest of all time. So I'm going to be more appreciative of what we get the chance to witness right now than I am concerned about whether he's already better or more accomplished than Tom Brady. But as far as individual talents, you know, I think it's, uh, I'm like you. I, every time I watch him, I just find myself in a bit more awe, and uh, I couldn't think of a better player to kind of represent the face of the league now and probably for the next 10 or 12 years. Field Yates is our guest. Did the Chiefs show that you can win a Super Bowl with a very expensive quarterback, or did the Chiefs show that you can win a Super Bowl with a very expensive quarterback named Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> no, they they just reinforce what I think has, has long been known, Jason. I, I I get it. There are you know obviously there are challenges when your quarterback is on a contract that's different as opposed to when he is on his rookie contract. But I think one of the most overrated things in professional media or professional football media discourse is the idea that uh, having a quarterback on a, a, a on a justifiably paid contract is a hindrance or a challenge for your roster. I don't look at it like that, Jason. I look at it like having a quarterback on a rookie deal is a is an advantage. Um, I mean, Jared Goff had the second or third highest cap hit in the NFL this year. Uh, you know, they made it to the Final Four and you know could have been playing in the Super Bowl. So I'm certainly of the belief that if you have a quarterback who's one of the greatest ever, like Patrick Mahomes, uh, even if you just have a quarterback who's talented and capable and worth the money, to me, I'm not so concerned about the contract, um, we're going to be seeing a lot of teams that are going to have to uh, sort of navigate that same challenge that the Chiefs are right yeah. now because, as we know, we got a bunch of quarterbacks that have either recently been paid or will soon be paid. Um, and, you know, the cap is not going down. That's good news. But the challenge is going to persist. So I, I tend to think that's a little bit overrated, and I'm glad that uh, the Chiefs showed us last night that uh, we shouldn't spend as much time talking about it as some people in certain corners of football media do. I like how you said justifiable contract. It's a great way of looking at it. If you've got a justifiable contract for a quarterback that's making a lot of money, yeah. it's different than uh, it's different than feeling like well, this is the price of doing business. We just have to pay him this money. Yeah, I mean, Jason, we got listen. Russell Wilson's contract is a problem, right? That's a real challenge. Yeah. That's a problem. But Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, got you, Jalen Hurts. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple that have been paid recently. That's not a problem, right? Like. Those guys are worth it. They've proved it. They, they are like, you know, those guys are, are stealing razors, obviously, but they're kind of built-in floors as well. So um, it, it can be a problem when you have a guy who quickly becomes overpaid, but when these guys are on the terms that are so justifiable, then to me it's not even close to a disadvantage. The OJs from ESPN NFL Insider, two quick ones for him. We'll let you go. How many Super Bowls for Patrick Mahomes in his career when it's all said and done now that he has three in his first oh, uh, six years as a starter? <laughs> I'll go eight. I'll go eight. I don't, you know, hold, I guess you can hold me to it. Um, but yes, uh, I'll go eight. Eight. Sure. Why not? 
why not? Deal. Yes, deal. I mean, sign me up. Uh, settle. I'm settling out of court right now. Field Yates has offered me right in front of me. It's a plea bargain. It's a plea deal. Mahomes wins eight Super Bowls. I'm going to settle for eight Super Bowls right now. Uh, I will accept that, and uh, I'd rather take my uh, do that instead of taking my chances, even if ten is possible. I'll take eight. Done and done. Thank you, Field. I mean, of course. You know, it's like ridiculous that I could say that, and you wouldn't scoff at it, by the way. Like, yeah, eight. Yeah, no big deal. Like, yeah, it's possible, right? You know, like, it's well, just yeah, no, that makes sense. He's got three already. Yeah. yeah. If he's got yeah, another 100%. You know, 14, 15 years of playing, can he win five more? Yeah. Uh, who wins next year's Super Bowl? Uh, you think I'm going I'm to bet against the Chiefs? I got Chiefs <laughs> over Rams. That was my gut reaction. So Chiefs, Rams. Okay. Uh, Chiefs win. That's my yeah. Hey, listen, I had Chiefs 49ers this past this this year. So you did. Uh, I'm, I'm you, you know did. again. I, as I said all the time, I, I give you 55 misses I had, but I'll take that one make as well. <laughs> Darn right. Uh, make sure let you let people know about that one make because uh, they, they may focus too much on the uh, miss. Field Yates from ESPN. He never misses with us. Uh, he's our NFL insider. Field had a blast again this year, man. Really enjoyed it as always. I hate that our conversations are over, uh, but uh, love to catch up with you periodically through the off season uh, and uh, see what's going on with your mind in football. But had another blast uh, talking with you, and uh, hopefully next year we're having uh, more conversations and another Super Bowl championship for the Chiefs. Right back to you, Jason. Always a blast. And uh, we'll talk draft, free agency, you name it, sometime here soon. Absolutely. Field Yates from ESPN, NFL Insider. Enjoy the three weeks of uh, off-season, Field. Rest up. You've earned it. <laughs> three days? Three weeks? I think, yeah, three really. Hours? Maybe it might be three hours of off-season. Uh, that's right. You got you got dynasty leagues to draft for. Come on, man. You gotta, <laughs> oh, man. You draft before the draft. Dylan, get field back. I want to know. I want to know about his top 100 for next year. <laughs> in draft picks. Who's going one one? Uh, not not even draft in uh, fantasy. Just football. in fantasy. One, yeah, one, just one, in fantasy. Well, one one dynasty is Caleb Williams. Yeah, okay. that's uh, good to know. Or is it yeah. Marvin Harrison, depending on nice. your uh, scoring? You know. Yeah, straight to voicemail. Uh, I think he heard what we were going to be talking about, so <laughs> we're blocked. Actually, blocked. <laughs> no, I'll, it's fine. I'll text him. I text him every week now. It, Huh, that's weird. It says this number has been changed. Please don't text it till next football season. That doesn't sound like an automated message. Message not received. That's odd. I don't it's, know why. It says message not wanted. That's a very strange error. It says this is a fax machine now. No, nah, feels the best. People, I, I imagine that most people know that we don't routinely uh, and, and intentionally put jerks on the show, but uh, Field and Cynthia both throughout football season are just the best. Present company excluded. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of to counterbalance us. That's right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, and uh, we are hanging out here until 2 o'clock. Our location at Rally House is uh, right off Quivira, Lenexa location, Oak Park, where they are getting you set for the parade on Wednesday and set with all of your Chiefs gear. Look, there's tons of other stuff here, too. If You, you know that Rally House has the, the selections, that if you're looking for almost anything, um, you can get it at Rally House, including a lot of the KC shirts and the KC stuff and just the KC uh, 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 KC Love is here at Rally House, but 16 KC Metro Rally House locations, Super Bowl championship collection gear is here, and they continue with truckloads and, um, and, and more deliveries throughout the day and days with the different Rally House locations. This is our location until 2 o'clock, but they continue to stay open, and they're getting you set for Wednesday's parade and the Super Bowl 58 champion, three and five years, dynasty back-to-back champion, Kansas City Chiefs. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. More zone right after this. It's first and ten. Curdy's under center with a couple tight ends. Hand off McCaffrey over the right tackle. He fumbled the ball as he was hit. He crossed the 27. 
And the ball was jarred free. He was hit on the play. Karloftis may have jumped on the ball. They're untangling the bodies. The Chiefs pointing one way, and so are the officials. A turnover by San Francisco. McCaffrey has turned the ball over. On the first drive of Super Bowl 58, and the Chiefs take over, and their defense forces the turnover. Karloftis got it. Ah, yes, George Karloftis recovers the fumble. You get the fumble caused by Mike Pinnell and Leo Chanel. And put the 49ers in hell. That's what they did. (laughs) That's what they did, Uh, recovering a couple of fumbles. Did you see the stat to where the Chiefs recovered six of seven fumbles in the game? I I did. Now, some of those are Creed Humphrey fumbles that rolled back to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes recovering fumbles shouldn't count. But of the five fumbles... The Chiefs did recover four of the actual fumbles. The uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey fumble they recovered. Rasheed Rice's fumble they recovered. The um, uh, uh, special teams fumble. Off the foot. They recovered. Um, was Richie James's a fumble? Did it hit the ground? Richie James was a fumble, so they recovered three of five. Good grief. So they got three of five. And you know what? Some if, if you're looking at how it sort of evens out, if you're saying it's going to be even throughout the course of the game, if there's five, somebody's going to have to have three. Yep. If there was one more, the 49ers would have recovered it, is uh, what the odds would say. Uh, but the Chiefs got three of five, and it was like five of seven, I guess, was the uh, the number that they recovered. Five of seven fumbles. And it's like, well, the Creed Humphrey fumbles? I mean, come on. How many, how many times does the defense recover a fumble of a ball that's rolled back to the quarterback? Typically, the quarterback recovers that ball. Really? Yeah. You'd, you'd rather miss yeah. low than high in part for that reason. A running back fumbling around a bunch of defensive players, a lot of times the defensive players would recover that fumble. You would think. And the Chiefs, and both of those times, the defensive players recovered the fumbles with um, Isaiah Pacheco and Creed Humphrey. But, you know, we've talked so much about Dynasty. We've talked about uh, Patrick Mahomes and the brilliance of him and the fact that, you know, he took the ball at the end of regulation down by three points, having to have a score to stay alive and then took the ball in overtime, down by three, having to have a score to stay alive, and all he did was go 13 of 16 for 100 yards and a touchdown for a 113 quarterback rating, four rushes for 33 yards, three of those four rushes resulting in first downs, and he is the only player in the history of the game to have a drive that includes eight of eight throwing and at least 27 yards rushing in any drive in any game ever. And he did it in overtime of the Super Bowl. The only player to ever do that in any game in the history of the NFL in a drive. And he did it in overtime of the Super Bowl. We've talked about a lot of that stuff. I don't think we've done enough talking about the defense. I agree. Because of how much this defense has meant to this championship run. The defense didn't get a lot of credit in the first championship run. It was all about Mahomes and the coronation and finally getting over the hump for Andy Reid. And then last year, it was the defense scored a touchdown. It was huge, but they still gave up 35 points. And the second half of the Chiefs with the punt return and the Patrick Mahomes run and getting every single yard that they wanted to get along the way. And the defense also didn't get that stop when they were up eight points there late. And the Eagles then got the touchdown and the two-point conversion to go to uh, 35-35. And you're like, man, defense has been so good. And it's one of the things the defense talked about this offseason was they didn't put their best effort out there against the Eagles, and they wanted to reverse that. And they've done more than that. They are a huge reason 
why this team has won a Super Bowl. They deserve all the credit in the world. They deserve to be stars. And one of the reasons why I picked the Chiefs to win against the 49ers was that they had the better defense, the better quarterback, and the better coach. And at the end of the day, what happened? The better defense made stops when they had to. The better quarterback was brilliant. And the better coach had his team even prepared for what the overtime rules were in that game. And that can be the difference between a, a, a play here or there, a three points here or there. I mean, a missed extra point. The guy kicked it into the uh, defensive line. Credit Mike Dana for getting his hand up, but Mike Dana's done that probably a thousand times in his career, never blocked an extra point. That thing was kicked right into him, so thank you to uh, Moody. But that's also part of team building is that Harrison Butker put together one of the greatest kicking seasons of all time. Of all time. Sorry, Taylor, I'm going to let you finish. (laughs) But Beyonce had one of the greatest... (laughs) Of all time, of all time, okay? Harrison Butker this year, 44 of 46 on all field goals. And I think he's perfect on regularly inflated field goals, uh, regularly inflated footballs. 44 of 46 on all field goals. He's He's 46 of 46 on extra points. So he has swung his foot through a football 92 times, and he made 90 of them. 90 for 92. He's 15 of 15 on field goals of 40 or more yards. He was 7 of 7 on field goals of 50 or more yards. He also had a 60-yarder, and he now owns the record for the longest field goal in Super Bowl history at 57 yards. But again, you've got issues in the 90s where the Chiefs couldn't find a field goal kicker. Mm-hmm. You've got a loss to Miami where the field goal was short. You've got a loss to the Colts because of just uh, – interceptions and field goals and the 49ers go to overtime because their field goal kicker misses an extra point kicks it into the defensive arms and harrison butker swings his leg through a football 92 times this year and he makes 90 of them just sort of part of the overall story and he's able to kick all of those field goals in the game because the defense kept the 49ers off the board for a good portion of that I talked about the stat of Christian McCaffrey, 3.6 yards per carry, which was the lowest yards per carry of his career with a healthy Trent Williams at left tackle. I mentioned with Field Yates about the Steve Spagnolo stat that the best teams in the DVOA era to lose a Super Bowl, the best non-Super Bowl winning teams in the DVOA era, number one was the 2007 Patriots, Number two was the 2019 49ers, and number three was the 2023 49ers. All three of those teams lost to a defense coordinated by Steve Spagnolo. All three of those teams scored below what their season average was. Those teams scored 17, 20, and 22 points in the Super Bowl against Steve Spagnolo. And how about this little stat, too, since we're throwing some nuggets out and giving the flowers and the love to the defense. This was the 48th game in which Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle played together. 48th game. Have you seen this stat? I saw this one. 48th game in which those three guys have played together. It's the third time ever that they have been held to under 100 yards from scrimmage combined with those three guys. Third time ever. The only other two, last year in the NFC Championship game when they didn't have a quarterback, and earlier this year against Cleveland when Debo Samuel got hurt in the game. So now this is out of 48 times, or you could say 46 times, 
It's the only time in 46 games where all three guys have played. Debo Samuel didn't leave the game because he got injured, and they had a healthy quarterback throughout the game that they didn't gain 100 yards from scrimmage. Literally a functional quarterback. Just functional quarterback. quarterback. That's absolutely right. Christian McCaffrey, lowest yards per carry, and the first time in 48 or third time in 48 games that Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle didn't combine for at least 100 yards from scrimmage. I think all the time about the conversation we had after the Lions game, it'd be like, well, I mean, obviously that's disappointing, but get Chris Jones back. How long before the Chiefs defense wins him a game? And then it was like, oh, well, I was going to say six days. I guess that's why it was like 10 days later because they played on Thursday, but it was the next week against the Jags. And we, we talked so much early in the year about the Chiefs defense. And I, this is, this isn't even fully just a patting myself on the back. Although I guess if I can reach back there, I might as well. I got you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, the, the thought process for me as that that first quarter of the season was unfolding was like, man, this defense is like really good, and I think it's going to get better. And hey, this is like something. This, this yeah. is this is something to watch and like to get excited about. We were excited about the Chiefs' defense. I didn't think it was going to end like this. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think ten points against the Ravens in the AFC Championship game and nineteen to the Niners in regulation, yeah. and then holding them to a field goal when a touchdown would have really turned the heat on. I mean, obviously the heat was on, regardless. But I, I, I really felt like I was about as big of a Chiefs defense optimist as I could reasonably be through that first quarter of the season. They never, ever in a twenty-one game season never allowed thirty points. They never allowed 28, but just for the round number. Right, yeah. The Packers, midseason, when LaFleur and Love were starting to really heat up, they hit 27 points, and that was the high watermark. Yeah. They lost games. They got put in bad positions by their by their own offense in many of these games. The offense gave up 14 points to the Raiders on Christmas, and they, they lost that game 20-14. to 14. I, it's Dude, it's unbelievable how good that defense was, and at every depth and with plenty of injuries, and and with Spag, just absolutely cooking. I, it's hard to quantify, but that stat that you've read now a couple of times about those three best teams to fall just short, they all fell short at the hands of Spags. That is no coincidence. And all three of them? Well, no, I guess no. All three of them held a fourth quarter lead. <laughs> Good point. Lord, man. <laughs> and defenses had to step up and get stops, uh, and they did. And and also, you know, there are a couple of plays that. You know, there are a lot of plays that are difference makers throughout the course of an overtime game when there were three or five full quarters played. Because there was, what, two seconds left to go in the in the, uh, in the overtime quarter of 15 minutes? Not 10-minute quarter, mm-hmm. not 10-minute overtime session before a tie. You get, you get a new game. You just start a new game at that point. And they almost played into the second quarter of a brand-new game. Um, so there's a lot of plays that would matter there. But third and five... First play after the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. The 49ers have the ball. The Chiefs only have two timeouts. If they pick up the first down on third and five, it's a very real possibility they bleed the clock, kick a field goal, and win the game. They would be one first down away from just simply saying, let's kill the clock, and Moody comes on and kicks a field goal. Because we know that he eventually did kick the field goal, and he made it. But what did they do? Third and five, Steve Spagnolo brought the blitz. Trip McDuffie disguised it brilliantly. It was an open lane. It was the open lane that they were going to throw to, intended for Jawan Jennings. And Trip McDuffie knocks it down. They kick a field goal. And on third and four, in overtime, when a touchdown, as you said, puts the heat on, on a play in which Jennings was going to be open for a touchdown, he brings Nick Bolton up to the line of scrimmage and ends up blitzing Justin Reed 
and has George Karloftis in a wide nine, and the offensive line, for whatever reason, gets confused, and two guys react to Nick Bolton blitzing. The offensive tackle looks outside for George Karloftis, and Chris Jones is left alone to run right up the middle. I would say literally untouched, but the left tackle, while he was uh, shuffling to his right, touched Chris Jones with his left arm as Chris Jones was running by him and gets to Brock Purdy, gets in his face, and Brock Purdy just has to lob it up and throw it away. As Brock Purdy is starting to throw the ball, Jennings is breaking free for what would have been a touchdown. Yep. And he would have been the, if the Chiefs didn't, didn't score a touchdown, you would be uh, Jawan Jennings Super Bowl MVP with two receiving touchdowns and a passing touchdown, uh, which would have been unbelievable. But those plays were three point, six points total instead of 14. It's eight-point plays that were made on that. Or I shouldn't say because of 16. It could have been the difference in the game. The second one may not have mattered if the first one didn't happen to force the field goal at the end of regulation and the Chiefs to get the ball back with a minute 40 to go or whatever and go down and score the the field goal to tie it. Uh, I want to talk about Chris Jones more at great length over the next couple of days. Uh, but also, if, you, if you're uh, good with a little tease here, there was some like really Jesus. interesting audio uh, from the Pat McAfee show with Adam Schefter that touches on some Chris Jones stuff and also legitimately breaks some Joe Cullen news. And uh, I think you're going to like what you hear, Jason. Yep. Okay. I, I, I like when you tell me I'm going to like what I hear. <laughs> um, I, uh, my, my Twitter profile from now on should just be Andy Reid laying on top of Chris Jones. Oh, it really should be. Because that man celebrated with Chris Jones just simply – giving him a bear hug on the ground. Just, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to come down and, and hug you down here, Chris Jones. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. We are hanging out at uh, Rally House, Quivira, the next location, Oak Park, where they're getting you set for the parade and all of the official Super Bowl Chiefs gear. It's at any of your 16 KC Metro Rally House locations. Ours happens to be here at um, Quivira in Lenexa. We'll be at uh, Power and Light Rally House tomorrow. We've got more zone right after this. All right, wrapping up this hour on the other side of the break, we'll be uh, joined by Nick Schaefer, and we'll hear that audio from uh, Adam Schefter talking about the Chiefs and some uh, guys returning and uh, on the uh, Pat McAfee show, some interesting audio there. We'll play that. Some other audio from last night, tons of it and tons of it and tons of it, and there'll be more and more because you know what there's going to be? There's going to be NFL Network turning point. There's going to be NFL Network mic'd up. There's going to be NFL Network going through the game with the mic'd up and just simply uh, uh, the hour-long specials that take place with those that they were showing with the 49ers and the Eagles on Saturday night on NFL Network. There'll be all of those over the next couple of days. I cannot wait. It's so amazing when your team wins a Super Bowl to consume all of the information and the content that's out there. I can't wait for the mic'd up to hear all of the different things. As Kelsey said, maybe the mic'd up will reveal what I said to Andy Reid when I gave him the bump. But I told him I love him. <laughs> 